Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We will be looking at verse 17 today. We are continuing our uh, sermon series through the book of Exodus. We've been looking for the last uh, several weeks at the Ten Commandments, and uh, today we're going to finish uh, these uh, Ten Commandments as we look today at the uh, Tenth Commandment. Now, if you are looking in your bulletin and seeing the title of the sermon, I know there is a slight grammatical problem with the, the language here, covet or content. I know covetous or content would probably be right to adjectives as opposed to what I've got here, but covet or content is just more concise and and better. I even threw it off my wife, who's a grammar Nazi, and she thought this would work today. So anyhow, uh, so here we go. Uh, so we're looking at this commandment about coveting, and of course, the uh, opposite side, what God wants for us is to be content with what he gives to us. So let's see what God says to us in His Word, this 10th commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And thus far, God's holy word Let's go to God in prayer. Our God, we thank you that you reveal yourself. We thank you, O God, that you not only give us your encouragement, your exhortations, but you give us, O God, your commands that reflect your holy character and that are good for us, that make us holy. O oh God, as we keep them, as you are holy. And so this morning we ask again that you would write your word on our hearts, that you would send your spirit into our hearts today, that we might be more like Christ, that we might grow in holiness day by day. So write your word on our hearts today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We come to this 10th commandment, we might be tempted to think that this commandment is not as serious as the other commandments or some of the other commandments. This is a commandment that has to do with thoughts and desires as opposed to actions, coveting versus murder or adultery or stealing or whatever else it might be. Yet God sees coveting, covetousness, as serious. Let me just read you a couple Scripture passages. Romans chapter 1, Paul writes, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. 
They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. And notice that covetousness is in there with murder, and it is even listed before murder as being uh, a heinous sin that God gave uh, people over to. Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul again writes this. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Notice the close link with being sexually immoral. Sexual immorality or covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. It's a serious business, this covetousness stuff that God teaches us. It is idolatry. It is a God, in other words, that controls someone's life. Now, this 10th commandment is, again, the the climax, the final commandment, the climax of the commandments. And I think in some ways we can say it is also a summation of the commandments themselves. We'll come back to that as we move along in our sermon this morning. Now, this commandment, again, has to do with desires, And of course, desires can be both good and bad. This commandment does not rule out all desires. Let's begin by looking at good desires, putting this in a a proper context. Uh, A good desire would be to desire a, a good, fulfilling job, a good, fulfilling career. That is a good desire. A good desire would be to get married, if you're single, to have children. A good desire is for physical intimacy within the bonds of marriage. Sexual desire within the context of marriage, that is a good desire. Contrary to what many Um, professing Christians have said historically throughout history. It is uh, good and right to covet a, what we might call a sufficient portion for our lives. As we read in Proverbs 30, 8 and 9, the, the writer writes, "'Remove far from me falsehood and lying.'" Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is God? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. It is good to desire a sufficient portion from the hand of God. We can have the desire next to say with the the psalmist, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful 
inheritance. It is okay to give thanks and to desire those things. Other good desires, briefly, Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 says, desire the greater gifts. Desire gifts, desire the greater gifts, Paul says there. Of course, Scripture says that we are to desire to live a godly life. Paul says on one occasion that he desires that to abound, or he, his, his prayer is that they desire to abound in every good work. That is a good desire. Hebrews 11, we read, we are to desire a better country, a heavenly one. That is a good and proper desire. And of course, first and foremost, we are to desire God. We are to desire God. So there is, yes, a righteous coveting, if we could say that. A righteous coveting, both of spiritual and of earthly things. In fact, desiring God is the greatest way to overcome sinful coveting. But let's look again more closely at the commandment itself and what we are not to covet and what this means. You shall not covet. And, uh, and, and God goes on. Your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. In our Westminster Larger Catechism, it lays out three main aspects of this command. Uh, it is this. It, to uh, not covet means to have discontent uh, or to not have discontent with what we have or what we don't have. So it rules that out, forbids that, discontent with what we have or don't have. It, it means not envying what our neighbor has or others have. And it forbids desiring to have what your neighbor has. Envying what your neighbor has and desiring to have what they have. So that's a summation that the Westminster Larger Catechism gives of this command. The word itself, to covet. The Hebrew word, Dr. Currid in his commentary defines it this way, an inordinate, ungoverned, selfish desire for something. An inordinate, ungoverned, selfish desire for something. Or as Phil Riken puts it, to crave or to yearn after something that belongs to someone else, to set your hearts on something that is not rightly yours. The Puritan, great Puritan writer Thomas Watson said this of coveting, it is an insatiable desire of getting the world. Insatiable desire 
of getting the world, or in other words, what this world has to offer. You don't have to teach someone how to covet. Children have it from a very early age. When you see children playing with children, and you see a child with one toy, and another child is playing with another toy, very often what happens, the child playing with this toy puts down that toy and all of a sudden instinctively wants to play with the toy that the other child has. We learn from an early age how to covet, how to want, how to desire what others have. This, we could perhaps sum that up using the term total depravity. This sin is present from a very early age. Riken sums this up as it is the cult of the next thing. The cult of the next thing. We're never satisfied with what we have. All right, now let's note some things about this command itself. Notice there are seven things listed that we are not to covet. Seven things. Now, as I say that, seven things, most of you, lights go off when you hear the word seven, because seven is an important number in the Bible. In the Bible, in Hebrew, seven is the number of totality. So as, he, so as God lists these seven things, what he is actually saying is, do not covet anything at all. Not just these particular things, but anything at all. That's what the number seven indicates here, the listing of seven things that we are not to covet. Notice also in this command in verse 17, uh, you shall not covet, that phrase is repeated twice. It's here for emphasis. Do not covet. Do not covet. You shall not covet. You shall not covet. We don't see that with any of the other commandments. And three times we see a reference to your neighbor, your neighbor, your neighbor in this command. In other words, God has given those things to your neighbor. He has not given them to you. Don't covet them. Do not desire them. Similar to what Paul wrote and we quoted earlier in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put to death what is earthly in you, covetousness, which is idolatry, or as James puts it in the book of James, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world 
is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Notice in both of these verses, Colossians 3, put to death what is earthly in you. And here in James, friendship with the world, being a friend with the world. We are not to be those who are earthly-minded people, but we are called to seek the things that are above. Covetousness means we are seeking what this world has to offer, what is earthly and what will not last and what will not bring us anything for the future. Or to put it this way, I think the summation of these verses basically tell us that the Tenth Commandment is not just about a sin problem. It's about a salvation problem. A covetous heart that is idolatry is not just about a sin issue. It's about a salvation issue. We've enthroned a different God, a different Lord in our hearts. We're expressing discontent with what God has given to us. Nelson Rockefeller was once asked, or at least it's reported, he was once asked, how much money does it, make, does it take to make a person happy? And he responded, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Isn't that oftentimes the way we are? How much do you need to be happy, to be satisfied? Just a little more. I see a commercial. We see an ad. We see somebody driving in a nice car. Oh, life would be so good, wouldn't it? If I just had that. Just had that. That house, that car, that job. If I just had that. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will never be satisfied with money. He who loves money will never be satisfied with money. One of the great problems that we also see with coveting, not only is it a sin in and of itself, and an important one, a heart sin, but it leads to other sins. We have clear examples in Scripture of this. We see it in the story, for instance, of David and Bathsheba. David not being where he was supposed to be at the time of year when he first saw Bathsheba bathing. He looked, he watched. Instead of turning away, he coveted his neighbor's wife, which led to stealing. He took her to himself. It led to adultery, and ultimately it led to murder. But it all started with this coveting of his neighbor's wife. We see it in the story of Ahab, the 
King Ahab in the Old Testament and Naboth's vineyard. Ahab wanted this vineyard. And his, his coveting of Naboth's vineyard ultimately led to setting up false witnesses, liars coming forward. It led to killing, it led to murder, and it led ultimately to stealing. Ahab taking the vineyard for himself. Jesus in Luke chapter 12 says, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The great theologian and filmmaker actor Woody Allen, when he was in a relationship with his longtime girlfriend Diane Keaton's adopted daughter, Soon Yi Previn, uh, starting when she was a teenager, said, The heart wants what it wants. Quoting actually a line from Emily Dickinson. The heart wants what it wants. Well, Scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We need a transformed heart. We need the Spirit of God to transform our hearts and give us good desires. In Christ, we have that. We have that. And that enables then us for us to be contented. If we are in Christ, if we have His Holy Spirit, we can learn contentment. We can be content in Christ. It's our third point this morning. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says the Tenth Commandment requires full contentment with our own condition, with a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that is his. Full contentment with our own condition, with a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that is his. See, Apostle Paul writes, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. When we covet, we focus on the things that we don't have rather than on the things that God has graciously given to us. That's why Paul connects godliness with contentment. We cannot have one without the other. What we have is a gift from God. What we don't have is a gift from God. It is, it is, it is God who gives us what He desires. But as Paul writes elsewhere, uh, Paul writes, we've seen Paul, some of Paul's statements about covetousness. He writes elsewhere in Philippians chapter 4. Turn there with me, if you, if you can. Philippians chapter 4, he writes that indeed contentment must be learned. Uh, 
It must be learned. Look at Philippians 4, beginning in verse 11. Paul writes, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Let me just point out two key things from this about contentment. The first is we need to learn contentment. We need to learn contentment. We need to learn to be content. It does not come naturally to sinful human beings. Just as with the the kids with their toys. It does not come naturally that we are content. It requires growth in obedience. It requires sanctification. It requires finding our supreme joy and satisfaction in God alone. Seeking Him with all of our hearts. The amazing thing about this statement, what do we know about Philippians? Where was Paul when he wrote it? In prison. Paul was writing this from a Roman prison, and he has learned to be content in all circumstances. All he had was God, but he learned to be content with God alone. The second thing I want you to see from this is we can be content. We can be content. How do I know that? Well, Paul was. Not because he was a super apostle, although he was, but because of what he says in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The same God who strengthens us, strengthens Paul, strengthens us. By his Holy Spirit, we can learn contentment as hard and difficult as that is. We can learn contentment. And we must learn to be content apart from externals. Apart from externals. Now, J.I. Packer points out here that contentment in his book on the Ten Commandments, that that contentment is not total detachment and extinction of desire, as in Buddhism, for instance, as he says. In fact, Packer calls that inhuman, the the detachment of Buddhism, inhuman. Instead, we turn our desire to a greater desire, a new and greater desire. We turn it to what Thomas Chalmers called the expulsive power of a new affection. The expulsive power of a new affection. The the love of God, our love for God, expels lesser affections as we grow in our love for God. Christ's love turns me away as G.I. Packer says, from covetous self-service. 
turns me away from covetous self-service. We're called to pursue Christ and His riches. Joseph Elaine, the Puritan writer in his work, A Sure Guide to Heaven, writes this, If God would give you your choice, as He did to Solomon, what would you ask? What would you ask? Go into the garden of pleasure and gather all the fragrant, fragrant flowers there. Would these satisfy you? Go to the treasures of mammon and to the trophies of honor. Would any of these, would all of these satisfy you and make you to consider yourself happy? If so, then certainly you are carnal and unconverted. If not, go farther. Wade into the divine excellencies, the store of his mercies, the hiding of his power, the depths unfathomable of his all-sufficiency. Does this suit you best and please you most? Do you say it is good to be here? Here will I dwell and here will I live and die? Will you let the whole world go rather than lose this? Then it is well between God and you. Happy are you, O man. Happy are you that you were born. If God can make you happy, you must be happy. For you have taken the Lord to be your God. Do you say to Christ, your father shall be my father and your God my God? Here is the turning point. An unsound convert never takes up his rest in God. But converting grace does the work and cures the fatal misery of the fall by turning the heart from idols to the living God. Again, once again, as Packer said, knowing the love of Christ is the one and only source from which true contentment ever flows. As we conclude this sermon and in some ways transition to the Lord's Supper this morning, the Tenth Commandment is, as I said earlier, a summary of the other nine. It encompasses the other nine. We cannot covet, basically, if we do not love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We cannot covet and love our neighbor as ourself. In fact, coveting is a root of the sins in Commandments 5 to 9. Even if we might claim, I've never murdered, I've never committed adultery, none of us can deny that we have coveted. In fact, we really can't keep this commandment, can we? We really can't keep it. It's hard to keep. The Tenth Commandment is the commandment that shows us we're sinners. It actually did for the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 7. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. 
As Martin Luther puts it, the Tenth Commandment convinces us we are, a, we are a sinner and we need a Savior. And because we break the law, especially this Tenth Commandment, so hard to keep, we are under a curse, Scripture says. Under the curse of the law. The good news as we come, prepare to come to the table this morning, is that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, as we read in Galatians 3.13. How? By perfectly keeping the law of God, first of all. Secondly, by becoming a curse for us, as Scripture says, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Christ didn't just hang there, though. He took our punishment on Himself died in our place. Hopefully over these last several weeks of studying the Ten Commandments, you have grown to know better and love more God's commandments. But perhaps more importantly, we have learned together prayerfully to grow in love the Savior more who died for sinners like you and like me. Let's pray. Our God, how we thank you that you do give us your word, your commands that reflect your character that are good for us. And oh God, we thank you that you are gracious to us, that though we break your commands and how we break this tenth one, that you have sent a Savior, your beloved Son, Jesus to save us from our sins. And so, O oh God, we pray first and foremost that we would love You and that we would love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart. So continue to pour Your love into us this day and prepare our hearts now as we come to the table to remember what Christ has done. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.